Moncrief on News Talk. Brought to you by Avant Money. Think you're getting the best value from your bank? Think again. Anyway, uh, time to look at some stories from some other parts of the world. Jonathan DeBurka Butler joins us once again. Good afternoon, Jonathan. Sean, how are you going? Uh, and uh, we're going to India first, mm. somewhat of a piece of what we were just talking about. A bishop has been cleared of the rape of a nun. Yeah, this is a story about a 54-year-old bishop named Franco Mulacal, and it's caused uh, quite a bit of consternation in the country, as you can imagine. The trial lasted for 105 days. There was 85 witnesses on the list. I think 40-something of them were called in the end. And at the end of the trial, uh, the judge issued a 289-page judgment, right? And he basically cleared the bishop of the nun's rape. Now, there's quite a few strands to this particular story. She accused the bishop of raping her between 2014 and 2016 on 13 occasions, all right? They were on two separate days, but 13 occasions on those those separate days. Just to give you a bit of context, the nun herself is in her late 40s. She was the mother superior in a, a, a congregation called the Missionaries of Jesus, all right? And the reason they would have come into contact with each other is because that, that um, congregation was part of his... Uh, diocese, okay, uh, right. diocese. Sorry, yeah. and um, so that's how they came into contact with each other. Now, um, when she issued uh, the complaints against him or pressed charges against him, reported to the police, uh, it came a day after apparently charges were levelled against her for having an affair with her cousin's husband. Right, her cousin. Okay. Her right. Now, this is a mother superior of a congregation of nuns, right? Okay. So the cousin, the cousin, basically said that she had had an affair, and it was an internal thing, right? Which the bishop, bishop said needed to be investigated, and she was moved from her role. Okay. So when the charges were levelled against him, he came back with this and basically said it was her and her family trying to get revenge. They had tried to blackmail him. They had tried to threaten him and various different things. So this was one of the reasons why the judge kicked out the um, uh, kicked out the case in the end, right? Another reason was because the judge said this. Now it took two years for the nun to report, okay, that the that these alleged rapes had had actually happened, and they noted the fact that they had kept in touch with each other during the time, uh, so that the nun had gone on long trips with the bishop and various different. Guises for various different functions and the like, and 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 just he found too many inconsistencies in her story, so he cleared the bishop. And uh, the nuns' lawyers are now going to appeal. And in the meantime, an awful lot of people who are obviously campaigning and you know pro- protesting mm. on her behalf because it's been taken to the streets, and there are other nuns who are outraged about this. Uh, they've been affected as well. A number of people who is actually who have actually been involved in campaigning for her have been kicked out of their jobs, effectively. And uh, so it has had a very far-reaching results for for, for all sorts of people. Right, that's fascinating. And probably we'll never get to the actual bottom of what's going on uh, with the various strands. Yeah, and it's ongoing. That's the thing. So they they launched the appeal. They said they were going to do that last week. And it's now, I think, been accepted. Um, So uh, it's not at its end yet. Uh, and uh, uh, are archbishops or the Vatican or, or anyone higher up in the church making any comment on this one way or the other? The nun herself has said that she wrote to the Vatican on uh, four separate occasions. She made her last letter public and that they didn't respond at all. Uh, the bishop himself 
he offered to stand down for the duration of the trial and the the, the Pope accepted that. Okay. Um, but in terms of comments, I don't think there, there have been many comments. Various different congregations and, and, and organisations are being left to their own devices, uh, devices to deal with uh, the outfall from this particular case, yeah. which, as you can see, is quite extensive. Uh, and the, 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 the apparent investigation into the nun for allegedly having an affair with her cousin's husband or whatever it was yeah. did, did that come to fruition? That was an internal matter as far as I know because I don't think there's anything criminal in it at all yes, of course, so yeah. she was moved uh, from being the mother superior of the congregation she was into another place and then the rest of the story uh, unfolded. My word. Mm. Right, uh, the Yemen we're going to move to now. Again, one of those stories that uh, you rarely hear uh, on news bulletins yet. Uh, 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 catastrophic, really, to people. There are 70 people killed in airstrikes there. Yeah, this is 70 people were killed at least. And I, this, when, I have to be honest with you, I didn't look at the updates on this. So at the moment, it's 70 people um, and three children are amongst those dead so far. So these were several airstrikes that were carried out in the northern part of Yemen, uh, where the Houthi rebels that are trying to bring down the government there uh, have their stronghold. All right. So cut a long story short, the Houthi rebels are Shias who are backed by Iran. The other side, the government are kind of a Sunni government who are backed by an alliance which is headed up by Saudi Arabia. Mm. Lots of guns been given by no longer the United States, actually, but I think the, the I think Biden has pulled out of it. But I think the UK are giving quite a few guns yeah. and the like. Um, so it's causing absolute chaos. In this particular case, the two airstrikes happened. One was just outside the Houthi capital of Sada, which is actually the capital of, of Yemen. It's just the Houthi con- Houthis control it at the moment. And what I find bizarre about this is that it actually hit a prison, OK, which was being run run by Houthis near that capital. And in that prison were lots of migrants. Now, I couldn't, for the life of me, get to the bottom of why migrants were there in the first place, what they were doing and what the intention was uh, with, the, with the Houthi rebels. What do they intend to do with these migrants and where were they going uh, afterwards? Um, but anyway, they were killed. In another case, uh, there was a port town of uh, Hudaida, uh, was w- where targets were struck. And this is where the three children who were playing on a football pitch uh, were killed and they are among the estimated quarter of a million people who have died so far in this particular conflict uh, in Yemen yeah. and as you said quite rightly we hear very little about it Yeah that's, that's extraordinary Yeah it, it is also kind of uh, you'd wonder why white migrants but presumably Pete no one's going to Yemen uh, um, presumably they're you going someplace so, yeah. else Yeah so uh, I don't I don't know what they were doing there why they were being held and, um, and as I said what the intention was uh, with them to be honest with you Yeah Right, Liberia we're going to go to next and uh, a story about a church stampede. Again, massive loss of life. Yeah, absolutely. And you, you probably saw the story in Cameroon as well where the, the nine people died at the African Cup of, mm. uh, Cup of Nations competition yesterday. And this is, is, is quite similar. At least 29 people and we think at least 11 children uh, uh, died at this particular event. So this was an open air Pentecostal church service which was held in the capital, okay, Monrovia. And it happened on Wednesday night. It was being held by a pastor called the Apostle Abraham Croma. Uh, he runs a church called the Word of Life Outreach International, right? And he has a radio station. So basically, he's one of these people, and I'm going to say this, uh, who tries to exploit poor people as much as he possibly can by basically saying, all your problems will be solved by God if you give me your money, right? And his followers basically say that, you know, he can be, he can heal people and, and that kind of thing. And that's absolutely fine. Um, in this particular case, 
there was a collection was done, passed the basket around, and just after the collection was done, a gang ran in to where the gathering was taking place, spread panic. And there was a stampede which resulted in, in the deaths of those 29 people. And the gang who ran in, was their intention to take the money or...? It appears so. Um, one of them has been arrested uh, so far. So we, we, we haven't quite got to the bottom of what the, you know, why they ran in. But we think that's that's what it was. So like Liberia, the civil war ended, what, 15, 15 mm. 20 years ago. But I mean, child soldiers and, and poverty yeah. and all that kind of thing. So they have now... A massive problem with gangs in that part of the world. Yeah. And also, as I've said, probably three times now with poverty. I mean, they had the civil war, then they had Ebola, then the pandemic on top of that. So it's 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 pretty chaotic there. So something like this is is an absolute tragedy. Yeah. Right, Uganda, uh, we're going to go to you next. A story that says more about Uganda uh, than anything else, or at least certainly uh, some of the authorities in parts of Uganda. Yeah, it's it's a ridiculous story, really. And, and this is about female traders in your Uganda who will not be allowed to sit in a driver's cabin uh, in trucks anymore, right? So as you can imagine, this is how an awful lot of people get around the place. Mm. They jump into a truck, they get a lift with whoever it might be. And this is because, according to authorities, they are causing these trucks to crash right now this comes this this is specific by the way to one town right in the north of uh, Uganda so it's it's not the, near the capital Kampala it's, it's a place called Lyra it has a, about 100,000 people in it and there was a crash there on January the 10th alright it killed nine people it was absolutely tragic um, but the reaction to it or the decision uh, that's been taken is, is, is quite extraordinary so what they're saying is that women who wear short skirts are distracting truck drivers and this is why they're crashing. There was an actual statement made by a man called Patrick Abote who's chairman of Lyra's market vendors group because there's a, a lot of these women work in the market. Okay, mm. And he said they, the women, take drivers to bars and drink alcohol as if it's the, the women going around knocking the truck drivers over the head and said you're coming for a drink and then yeah. you're driving me home. I'm putting all the responsibility on them. Um, so I just, it jumped out at me as kind of a ridiculous, yeah. uh, a ridiculous. I, I, as I understand though that this rule also applies even if it's your wife, yeah. she can't uh, sit yeah. in the front seat. Yeah, absolutely. Because uh, the poor man won't be able to contain his eyesight. Absolutely. Um, but it doesn't apply to taxis or buses uh, or anything else like that. Apparently, right. Just truck drivers. Uh, well, I suppose, yeah. Bus drivers are trained professionals. Uh, <laughs> uh, uh, truck drivers are just <laughs> oozing with lust. Right, South Africa I'm going to go to next. And uh, this is a, a story of the succession of a Zulu king. Uh, and it's in court. It is. Uh, this is King Goodwill uh, Zwelithini. And uh, he died in March of 2021 at the age of 72, right? He'd been 50 years on the throne. He looks after about 11 million people, right? So it's it's not insignificant. So okay. even though he doesn't have executive powers, he has moral authority and a lot of yeah. money as yes. well, right? Okay. So this is why, probably one of the reasons why he was married six times, right? So he left behind six widows, but only one of them, the first one, uh, is claiming to be the legitimate wife, okay? So be- because they had a civil marriage, right? The rest of them were custom marriages, right? Under sort of um, uh, custom law, right? Okay, rather yeah. than legal force, exactly. Yes, okay. Right. Well, this is the par- this is part of the problem, okay? Mm. So when he died, he gave all his money, okay, and his throne to his third wife, who apparently was his favorite, right? But again, she was married under custom law, not like the first wife, 
Uh, now, is this polygamy? Sorry, Jonathan, is this polygamy we're talking yeah, about? Yeah, All right, okay. Yeah, yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, yeah, they didn't. Do, yeah, they. That's actually a great question. They didn't divorce and then marry yeah, again. Yeah, it's I polygamy. Absolutely. Yeah. No, no, but, but you'd have nothing left if you <laughs> went through six wives. That's that's actually part of the problem, though. So it's a, it's a very it's a very relevant question. Um, she died suddenly, probably from heartbreak, uh, a month later, and right. then she, in her will, decided that she was going to give the throne to her forty-seven-year-old son. Right, and that's when everything kicked off. The first wife came in and basically said. I want 50% of the money and I want my daughters to be named as the successors to, to the throne, right? Okay. Now, nobody has been anointed yet, for want of a better word, right? So there's been no ceremony to say who the king is. So that part of it is in limbo. But she's taken the case and she's basically, her, argu- her argument is that civil weddings recognised by the South African civil law trump custom weddings because... Uh, she's uh, and part of that aspect is that uh, because it's um, what's the opposite of polygamous? <laughs> Just one wife. One wife. Yeah. Having one wife is supposed to be what's part monogamous. Of civ- yeah. Monogamous. That's yeah. it. Sorry, monogamous. It's, it's funny to be- we both couldn't think of that word. What does that say about us? <laughs> anyway, know, sorry. No. Anyway, uh, that part of the law states that you know when you're married in civil law, you have to remain monogamous. Mm. So therefore, it would negate the other five weddings. Right, so this right. is where part of the problem is: which law is going to trump which? But I, I suppose there's a larger question there: is is does South African state law trump Zulu law? That's it. Uh, which I imagine is would be hugely controversial. And that's what part of the problem is going to be. Um, so there's some Zulus who are, who are not particularly happy about this. They, they basically believe that these sorts of problems should stay in house, uh, but the case continues. Right. Okay. Uh, well, I suppose. Mm. It'll be interesting to see whether it's enforceable or not, or whether yeah, you know absolutely. Zulus in South Africa will accept this. Uh, right. Uh, the uh, this is a story involving uh, Argent, uh, Argentina and Russia uh, for jail for trying to smuggle cocaine through an embassy. Yes, an absolutely bizarre story, which which dates back to December of 2016 originally, when a number of cases, 400 kilograms of cocaine, were found in a school, hidden in a school that was attached to the Russian embassy, right? Now, in fairness to the, the Russian ambassador, he, he seems to have flagged this with both Russian authorities and Argentinians, right? And they mm. came together and they decided to... Uh, launch a sting operation, right? So they took out the cocaine, right? And they replaced it with white flour, apparently. They watched and observed and what was going on and eventually the bags were moved and they tracked the whole thing and then they nabbed the guys in Moscow as the bags were delivered with white flour, right? right? So, so far, four people were arrested and have been jailed and the leader of the group, uh, a man by the name of Andrei Kovalchuk, he was sentenced to 18 years. His sidekick in the Argentinian embassy Ali Abi Anov, sorry, was sentenced to 17 years and the, then the two businessmen apparently who um, tried to move the suitcases when they came to Moscow, they were sentenced to 16 and 13 years in prison. Uh, but it's interesting because it's, it's, I suppose, um, an indication of Russians cooperating in the international space yes, to indeed. try and nab these guys. Yeah. And uh, uh, yeah, so that's uh, that's what's happening. Uh, it's be interesting to know, you know, had they been doing this for long? Uh, I wonder had the they. Embassy, I, I, that's, uh, as far as I know, there was there was no, none of these guys were diplomats, right? They were hmm. there working on technical things. And the leader of the group, uh, Kovalchuk, he was only there on a part-time contract. Yeah. Uh, to some sort of technical advisor of some sort. Right. Finally, we're going to go to uh, Nova Scotia where... Uh 
Prince Andrew High School has a problem. I wonder what it could be. Yes, they've decided that they're going to change their name. This is Prince Andrew High School, as you said, in Nova Scotia. Um, the the school was named in 1960 when the prince was born. It has about 800 students and uh, they've decided that they're going to change their name because they want to look for a name that upholds their values as a safe and inclusive space. Um, when they first spoke about this about two years ago, there was a few objections actually from alumni and local residents and they were concerned over the loss of the historical connection. Um, those hmm. concerns are no longer there and uh, <laughs> they have decided uh, to put together a six-person committee uh, which will decide on a new name for the school. Right, OK, yeah. And there are a number of institutions across Canada that are doing the exact same, as uh, you can imagine. And across the world, yes. uh, I would imagine. Right, so uh, what should we look out for in the coming week, Jonathan? Um, yeah, Portugal. There's uh, general elections in Portugal happening on Sunday. Uh, that's going to be quite interesting. Um, and then Monday, the Grammys. I was really looking around for stuff <laughs> that was happening. And then on Tuesday, uh, uh, so this time next week, Viktor Orban of Hungary is going to be visiting Russia. And... I'm sort of curious to know what his stance is on this whole thing and, yeah, and an awful Ukraine, lot of countries yeah. around there. Um, so that could be quite interesting. Yeah, indeed. Jonathan, thanks, thanks a million. As ever, Jonathan de Burker butler there. You are listening to The Moncrief Show on Newstalk. We're going to take a break after that. Would you prefer to stay working from home? Moncrief on Newstalk. Brought to you by Avant Money. Think you're getting the best value from your bank? Think again.